Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for well-qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. All right, welcome in, everybody, to a Tuesday edition, the first of 2024. Here on Sports Daily, Jacob Albrock, Tommy Castor with you. Jad Chambers back in producing. Uh, we've got that KFH hotline open for you at 869-1240. We've got all kinds of fun stuff coming today. We've got Dan Israel, executive producer of the Chiefs Radio Network, coming up at the top of the next hour. Get into that Chiefs-Bengals game. Uh, we have a national championship now, as we will have Michigan and Washington squaring off two teams that haven't had one since we've been in this new CFP format. We'll get into everything that happened yesterday with those games. A lot of fun things going on. Hope everybody's having a happy new year. Uh, Tommy, did you have your black eyed peas yesterday? You know, I didn't. And I'm, I'm disappointed in my New Year's Day. I'll be honest with you. I enjoyed watching the CFP, but man, I couldn't stay up to watch the entire Sugar Bowl. I mean, it was late and I, I caught up on it this morning. And I know that it was an epic ending to the game. I watched everything else. But then, man, I just like, why are we starting a game so late on a night when we know that a lot of people have to go back to work? That's what I want to know. Well, and it, the other silly thing is, too, we know historically how long these games are. Yeah, they add like exactly. a billion commercials. So they they uh, they already are long games. Yeah, I didn't. There's no reason the first game couldn't have started at like three. Right. right and then seven. Or whatever you needed to do. But it, you missed out. It was good. It was a great ending. Much better than the first morning. game. I mean, I watched Much, the, the final drive and all of that when I woke up this morning. I just, I couldn't, I couldn't last. It was a much better game than the first one. The first one was close at the end, but that game was sloppy. The second game was much more about, you know, teams playing better and doing those things. Washington looked really good. Texas hung in there. Couldn't get it done at the end, but they had a chance. Uh, you said no black eyed peas. What, like, are you insane? Like what, what, what's the deal there? I don't really like them. And, and I, I don't, I mean, I've only had it like maybe once or twice. Um, it, it's never really been a tradition on, on new year's day for me. I know a lot of people do it. I've just never really been into it. Do you hate good luck? I uh, guess I don't buy into that. I mean, I know, I know you're a superstitious guy. Oh, I'm not, I, I don't really, I don't really play into that. I make my, Jad, own did luck. you have your black, Jad, did you have your black eyed peas? I don't even I don't even think I've ever heard of that before. That's the, that's and that's the reason I asked. So black eyed peas on New Year's is a is a very good luck tradition. Uh and it, typically I just have like a bag of dried ones in the cupboard, but that one had gotten like 7 years old and I just like pop one like a pill. Uh, so we actually got a can of them. My wife grabbed a can of them and so I was like that's fine. I can still pop that like a pill. But my kids loved them. Like they were just good. like chowing down. They're I don't, not very I don't good. like them. 
No, I agree. They're okay, like cooked into something. Like if you've got them with like bacon and okra back home and it's in some sort of like something. But yeah, I don't like them that much either, but I got to have them on New Year's. So that's how, but my kids loved them. They were like, well, can we chew them? And I'm like, yeah, you can do whatever you want. And like, we're, I just kept filling up their bowl. I'm like, man, they're going to be the luckiest kids ever. Uh, yeah, Black Eyed Peas on New Year's. You're welcome for 2025 to kind of miss the boat here. Is that uh, just a Texas thing? Because I have never heard of that. Well, Tommy knew about it. So I, I knew know. about it, but I don't. I don't partake in it. It's not anything that I like. I said maybe once or twice. Um, I don't know. I mean, I, I I understand the good luck behind all of it, but at the same time, if it's not very good, why am I going to waste Southern my time tradition, on it? Southern tradition, Jed. Yes, Southern tradition. Okay. On a quick Google search. Uh, yeah. So that's how that goes. That's what's up. Just something like I had to remind my parents almost forgot. I don't know what everybody's expecting in the new year. Um, well, Washington had theirs uh, because they were able to hold on against Texas. I thought, you know, they, they looked better. Michigan's going to, it's going to be an interesting national championship game, kind of a collision of styles, right? The great defense versus the great offense. Um, I, you know, I, and, and I don't, I'm not going to like the narrative too much today that we'll see that you see, this is why we put Alabama in and you know, this, this is why we put them in over Florida state. It's such a game. It's like, it's not a, it was not a good game. Like they played, they didn't play well. They just kind of both slopped their way through to the end. Like th- that's not a good case. And I don't care that Florida state lost by 60 points. They weren't like they, they were missing. They didn't have anybody. 30, 35% percent of their roster. Yeah. So like, I, I, I hate that, but. I'm glad that Michigan got through because I didn't want Alabama to get through. And now I don't want Michigan to win because they're a bunch of cheaters. And so it's like, okay, let's Washington versus the world here. Let's go Washington. And it was always going to be that way for me. Like whoever won between Texas and Washington is who I was going to pull for. Uh, So I'm glad that we've got a game now. I'm glad it's not Bama. Even if it is Michigan, at least it's something different. I do think though, like, the if the, the transfer portal, all of this stuff, like this is getting more competitive now. And I know TCU got smashed last year, but we're getting kind of different teams in a little bit. And it is getting more competitive. And I think the field is evening out. And you you saw it yesterday. Like Texas has a transfer receiver from Georgia who made a big play in the game. Now we're going to see a big decision from Quinn Ewers. Does he come back to Texas? Does Texas want him back? And and so he's like in a normal circumstance in the past, like he's kind of screwed here. But now he's at no matter what happens, like he'll have a place to play. He can he can come back, maybe if they decide they want him back or if not, he can go somewhere else. And he could be like, that's a good thing, I think, for college football to spread that out a little bit. And and we're seeing it begin to play out when he goes to 12 teams. Who knows? Like, I, I, God, I cannot wait every time. Every time I watch these games, I'm just like, man, I can't wait for this thing to get expanded because these games are fun. And they'll be fun. And yeah, Oregon might beat Liberty as if Liberty snuck in by a hundred, but who cares? At least we you know, they gave it a shot. But it, it was those were two good games. We we were not disappointed in the CFP this year. You know, I've been on Washington for a long time. I mean, going all the way back to the regular season, I was on their bandwagon, and all Washington basically has been in their big time matchups this season is underdogs. They were underdogs when they played Oregon. They were underdogs. Uh, I believe they were underdogs in the Pac-12 championship game. They were underdogs against Texas. They're going to be underdogs against Michigan. So it hasn't really mattered. They've been you know, picked against and, and all of that. And all Michael Penix Jr. does is win football games. He's got incredible receivers. He can throw the deep ball. 
hooking up with those receivers in great fashion last night. You know, I understand why Jaden Daniels won the Heisman. I totally get that. He had eye-popping stats, great quarterback. All of that is very, very true. But for a lot of people, last night in the C- in the CFP semifinals, that was the first time that they've been able to see Michael Penix Jr. play. That was really, you know, the, the biggest national stage that he's been on, whereas LSU is in the SEC and everybody's going to watch them all the time. But, you know, P- Michael Penix Jr., I, I'm, I think that there was a case to be made, and I think there continues to be a case to be made, that he's the best quarterback in America. And the fact that he's going to be playing in a national championship game, you know, he's the only one still standing from the Heisman finalists. Nobody's really talking about that. Nobody really pays attention to Washington. They're up in the corner of the country. They play a lot of their games late at night. They're a really, really, really good football team. Kalen DeBoer is a great football coach. I thought that he outcoached Steve Sarkeesian last night. Not that Steve Sarkeesian coached a bad game necessarily, but I thought that some of the play calls that Kalen DeBoer made were elite. And so I think that Washington, you know, they're going to be, I think they are the early line. They're like three and a half or four point underdogs right now to kick off the national championship game. They're going to be underdogs against Michigan. I get that. But man, like I've just been riding on Washington. Give me those points because that's all they do is win. I've made a lot of money on Washington this year. I've taken them every time. When they played Oregon twice, like every time I just keep taking them because I like Penix too. I liked Texas in this game, uh, but I like Washington in general terms. Now, I hope that, you know, sometimes when you see the big-time offense go against big-time defense, we know how that goes. And Michigan's good. Like, Michigan's really, really good. They did not play well, but, you know, relatively speaking, and and still got it done against Alabama with some you know late game heroics and all those things. But Michigan's really good, and they're experienced, and they're fantastic on defense. And Harbaugh's an incredible coach, so that's going to be tough. And, and you know, and I'll it, take in all in all fairness, too, Bama probably should have forced double overtime. That final play that they called with Jalen Milrow it was, was a bad snap, awful. It was a bad. It snap. was a bad snap, but it was a bad play call too. Now, uh, if you look at if you look at some of the different video, there's a lot of people pointing out that the play might had been there on a normal snap, the way that it was setting up, and it was there was a pre-snap thing happening with I think it was a running back coming across, and he was going to have a good look, but they couldn't get him the ball because the snap was bad. I, I've seen lots of smart and how many football bad people snaps look at that did say, Alabama that have be, in that game? I, I mean, there were that, multiple. There was there was one that he yeah caught up over his shoulder. So I, I think it was poor execution. I think the design was probably fine and right and it wasn't like a shoe in that he was going to get in but but you could see the opening there had had the snap been better but it was a game of mistakes it's fitting that it ended on a mistake it was like which team is going to make the last mistake and it was Bama that did and so that that game and that's the thing like just let's not pretend like this was some indictment on Florida State and that's why you know no they but either one of those teams played particularly well and in the end Michigan got it done and probably they're going to play much better and this national championship game, that's what makes it hard to sort of predict because you see Washington, and they appear to play well. They made some mistakes, too. I don't know what it was with catching punts yesterday, but none of the four teams could, yeah. like, do that. The well. one thing so, that Michigan also did that I uh, I looked up and, and heard from a few different people about was that they really took that month off after they won the Big Ten into the semifinals, and they kind of they didn't really change up their offense, but they showed different looks their playbook was a little bit different. They lined up in kind of a different way. And I, I like that. I like the fact that Harbaugh did that in the month that they had to prepare for this game. You know, because at that point, you know, all Alabama has is what they've got on tape on Michigan. 
But if you go and you do something different in your game plan and you work on it in a month, then that can kind of catch the defense off guard. And that's kind of what happened, at least in the first half with Michigan. If you recall, I mean, Michigan got out to a lead and all of that. And, you know, th there was sloppiness and mistakes and all of that in the second half. But I really did like the different looks that Michigan gave that was different than what we've seen offensively from them throughout the regular season. But, you know, they're under the impression that the regular working model of college football is to have spies on well, enemy sidelines during the game. So you got you got to change things up, you know, because who knows who was out there. That's how you that's how you get an advantage. Right. That's what you're supposed to do in college football. They're there. It's amazing. Speaking of that, that Alabama like sort of took that mantle and and it's not that it made us forget about the scandal with Michigan, but it kind of did. Right. Like. All of a sudden, we're all mad at Alabama. But the reality is, like, Michigan was caught red-handed cheating, like bad cheating. And and their coach was suspended and all of these things. And, like, we've sort of forgotten about that because Alabama got in over Florida State and we're all just mad at Alabama but like Jim usual. Jim Harbaugh has done a phenomenal job in the last, I don't know, month and a half or two months ever since all of this broke at really twisting the narrative to make Michigan the victim, you know, like the Michigan yeah. versus the world and, you know, everybody's yeah. counting us out and kind of that, that whole thing. And I'm just, I'm sitting back and I'm like, well, wait a second. Like you guys were the ones that did the cheating, but all of a sudden, like they've crafted this narrative yeah. that they're the victims. And it's actually, it's a pretty smart PR move. I, I tip my cap to them for, because of everything with Alabama and the CFP, they were able to deflect that attention away from their scandal and put it on Alabama as the villain in all of this. Uh, I mean, it's, it's, it's kind of masterful. D he's, He's kind of a weird dude. Too. Like if I would love to see him coach like Aaron Rodgers. Like how does that go? Like he just is like every time they'd ask him a question in post game, he would just like ignore them and say something else completely off the cuff. He's like so detached from anything else that's happening. And I think part of it's a defense mechanism because he's probably afraid somebody's going to ask him about his cheating. But like. I, I, it's so wild to me to watch that. I'm like, this, it, don't even ask him any questions. Like it's, it's a waste of time. Go, you know, get somebody else. And I, and, and listen, I think he's an, I think he's a great coach. I think he's going to do awesome whether he stays or goes to the NFL. He's, he's never done anything but win. And I don't know, you know, whether his direction was on the cheating or whether that was his assistants try, who knows? I, I don't really care. They, they cheated. That's all that matters, but he's a good coach. And, you know, watching Bama lose is never disappointing. But now I will be disappointed if Michigan wins the national championship. Let's let's go Washington. Let's, you know, not leave any doubt about it. Uh, I'm with you on Penix. I'm uh, the receiver, Roan Udunze or whatever is that he is oh. so good. Uh, and, what did like, the Chiefs so have to do to get him in the draft? I mean, he, he was incredible. I don't know. Everybody's going to want him. You know, he'll go. He'll be the second receiver taken. But there, there are some people that think he should be the first. I mean, he's he had he had another good game last night. Um, he's 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 really good. There's a couple of really good ones in this draft, and we'll see. Uh, but it, it's going to be. It should be a good national championship game, and that's all we can ask for. And at least we get that in this final year of the four team, because once we get to twelve teams. We will be all in on this. Like all of us will watch this more. I predict. I think you're. I think we're seeing the uh, the talent spread around in college football. To in a sense that this thing's going to be really competitive uh, as we get to twelve teams. 
I, it's it's you know it, it's going to be a lot of fun, and we're going to see better regular season matchups probably because of it, because teams won't be so scared to play them. Like everything about it will be better. Did you get a chance to catch up on any of what Harbaugh said during media day leading up to the game? Did you follow any of that? I mean, we, you know, we were talking about how kind of awkward and kind of a weird guy he is. This comes from Brett McMurphy, we all know, college football insider. Uh, so Harbaugh was asked a, a religious question at media day, which I think what's happening now is that these reporters know how weird of a guy he is, right, and some of the things that he says. So they just ask him off-the-wall questions sometimes just to kind of figure out what the answer is going to be. It's kind of uh, – it's not unlike Mike Leach, I think, to an extent. You know, Mike Leach is going to yeah. give weird yeah. answers, you know, when he was coaching and all of that. So this was the answer that Harbaugh had to the religious question at media day. I have a feeling – that if Jesus were to come back now in this era, I suppose that many of the biblical analogies he'd use would be about sports as well as agriculture, maybe a combination of the two. Solomon would have been a great coach too. I have that feeling. Jesus would have been a five-star. He would have been a five-star player, no doubt about it. He would have been a Hall of Fame coach. That was at Media Day, Jim Harbaugh, according to Brett McMurphy. Pretty, pretty incredible. Yeah, I just like sometimes you just don't understand the way those brains tick. Mike Leach was just Mike Leach was just like thoughtful in his answers. Yep. Like you couldn't ask him a, a generic question because he wouldn't give you a generic answer. Sometimes I don't think Jim Harbaugh is listening to what's being said. Like when yeah, like I, I just don't, like he's just like he's looking at you, but he's not he's not hearing the words that are coming out of your mouth because his brain is doing ten other things. It must be. Like he must be thinking about, you know, the opening sequence of the national championship game as he's asked about, you know, what his thought process was on fourth down late in the game. Cause I think that's what it was. And he just like totally ignored that question. And he was Reese Davis just so then the play, next play you ask the player the same question. Like, what? oh, okay. All right. Well, let's bring somebody else up here. It's just like, oh, what, what, a, what an interesting, interesting story. Can you story imagine, line by the way, year. if Jim wins the national championship and John wins the Super Bowl this year? Yeah, I mean, it's. I think it's. I mean, it's obviously the uh, the betting odds on favorite for yeah. that to happen, and yeah. has been for a while. Uh, they're both such good coaches. They're they're so different, you know, in their personalities, but they're just great coaches. And and you know, for Jim, like he's done it at every level, at the highest level, and they're going to throw bags and bags of money at him. But I just think he wants to be in the pros, and we'll see what happens if he can. I mean, if he gets Michigan a national championship and gets that monkey off that university's back. It almost seemed, it almost makes it more likely, I think, that he's like, all right, I did my due yep, diligence. I'm a away. Michigan man. Like, I got it done. I'm out. You guys, you know, good luck in the future. I've got everything set up. I'm going to go back to what I enjoy. All right, let's take a quick break. What do you think of that national championship game? We'll go to the uh, the KFH hotline at 869-1240. Uh, you can get it there. We'll give away some HTO a little bit later in the show. We'll have Dan Israel coming up top of the next hour. But let's get into the Chiefs a little bit. We've also got a KU-Wichita State game that happened. I know it happened a little while ago, but we haven't had a chance to talk about it. So we'll hit on a lot of different things today. First show of 2024. Happy New Year, everybody. Sports Daily coming right back. All right, welcome back, everybody. Sports Daily, Jacob Albrock, Tommy Caster. Glad to be here with you on the first uh, show of 2024, not the first day of 2024. Jad Chambers producing. Uh, KFH Hotline is open at 869-1240. 
We'll have a little giveaway for you a little bit later. Dan Israel will join us a little bit later to talk about the Chiefs. Uh, let's let's talk about the Chiefs, Tommy. I you know, it it was an interesting game. Cincinnati. I I don't want to like overstate the win because Cincinnati you know doesn't have Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase is hurt and T Higgins was hurt in the game, but they've been playing pretty well. I I don't think it was you know the best game by the Chiefs by any means. However, I do think it provided the formula for them to win playoff games, of which I think they still can, you know, against anybody if if they play their game, you know, in a really good way, which is not make mistakes, which they did make a few, right? They're going to have to play clean. Like, if they play Baltimore and Baltimore, they're going to have to have a clean game offensively and play the best kind of defense they can play. That's what it will take. They didn't get that against Cincinnati, but stylistically, I thought they got what they needed. They really leaned on the run. It allowed some wide-open wide receivers that didn't always catch the ball, Marquez Valdez-Scantling. Uh, but he was open, right, in some big spots. Rashi Rice was the guy they – like, it, it – I don't know. There's not much else Mahomes can do here. Like, he, he, you can't do much else than hit your receiver in the hands. And at some point, you just have to – as as, you know – observers you just have to throw your hands up in the air and say I, I, I you know that they're that that what else are they supposed to do besides hit the wide open receiver in the hands right they, there's nothing else they can do at that point but I think we're I think that's probably going to be the end of MVS I think we'll see somebody else just step into that role I, I just don't think they can do that anymore and Rashi Rice is really good Kelsey probably needs to rest a little bit this week I think but that that was the formula, Tommy, for them to be as successful as they're ultimately going to be in the postseason. They just, when they get there, they can't have guys drop the passes. They can't have strip sack fumbles, that kind of thing. Yeah, they have one path to have success in the postseason. It's what you just mentioned. It's run the crap out of the football, and it's play stifling defense. That's basically it. Really, anything else, if they go off of that script, it's not going to work for them. That's the difference, I think, between Kansas City and some of these other teams that we've looked at is, you know, the favorites to maybe win a championship is that they can do it in a couple of different ways. The Chiefs have one way to get it done. Run the football with Pacheco and play great defense. If one of those things doesn't work or if they try to get off of that, it's not going to work out well for them and they're going to lose in the playoffs pretty quickly. As far as your comment about Marquez Valdez-Scantling, I totally agree with you. I can't imagine... That, uh, you know, I mean, I guess I can't imagine that he'll be back on the field. I mean, throughout the entire season, he's had all these mistakes, but he finds his way back on the field, getting targets, getting snaps, dropping passes. He had the one really egregious drop. Then he had another really deep ball that went right through his hands. That would have been incredible. Um, you know, he just can't catch the ball. And the, the wor- that's the, one of the worst Contract signings, I think, that Brett Beach has had in Kansas City is signing MBS to that contract because it's guaranteed money, and he's making a lot more than really any other receiver is on the team. And on top of that, and I'm sure that Dan Israel will talk about it next hour, there's no accountability from MBS. He, he just doesn't take any kind of responsibility. If you watched his body language after he dropped that pass, he looked right back at Patrick Mahomes like, hey, you didn't throw it where I wanted you to throw it. It's like, well, what better can like what more can he do? He hits you. It might have been slightly behind you, but you're a professional football player. Catch the football. You're wide open. How do you drop that? You know, and so the body language is, is all there and they can defend him publicly and on TV and interviews and all of that. But it, all it takes I, is to just kind of see the way that things are looking on the sideline. You know, the guy is done. 
Yeah, look, I, I the 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 you know he was clearly frustrated with everything when he kind of made the motion of like put it on my front shoulder, not my back shoulder. I, I get that. I don't know. I have no idea what he's like. You know, in the locker room, on the sideline. I don't know. But he hasn't taken I, I any accountability assume... in interviews. I mean, publicly, and and we've heard it from other players. You know, yeah, I've got to be better. Yeah. That's on me. Whatever. I don't know enough he hasn't about done his that personality. I, I would I would have to defer to his teammates on that. Like, is he a good teammate still? I I would I would suspect that the answer to that is yes i you know he he's as frustrated as everybody else and like they have the yips these receivers have the yips they cannot get through it they signed marquez valdez scantling to give them a deep threat when they lost tyreek hill that's what he that's you know the the problem is like that's his component to everything and he does get open he just now can't Why catch do you the think ball he gets open though i mean he doesn't have the coverage on him he got open in green bay too but he he had this issue in Green Bay also. Like he was not, you know, the Green Bay let him go for a reason. Like he has the ability to get open, which is a big part of being a wide receiver in the NFL. But if you can't catch the ball, it doesn't do you any good. And so I, they don't like the Chiefs are in do or die mode right now. Like if I, it's like if it's not working, I I, I guess you got to throw. I, I, maybe it's Justin Watson. I don't even know who it is. I, I don't know who the other one is. And maybe they don't need it. Maybe Probably if, Richie James. You know, you know, I think it's getting him on the field more, I would imagine. The, I mean, the, the options maybe, are limited. But, but, but can he get open? Like, yeah. I, you know, I, he's got his deficiencies too. I, I don't know who it is. It it just, they have to have the threat of it. And then you take maybe a shot a game down there. And Watson had a big play like that. Yeah. So maybe Watson... Maybe it's back to Watson now, who's also made his fair share of mistakes this year. But the good news for them is Rashi Rice is playing out of his mind. Travis Kelsey is still trying to bust out of whatever defenses are doing to him. And they can, it, you know, it's going to, what's going to free up those receivers is Isaiah Pacheco. And you just cross your fingers and hope that Pacheco and or they need two of them healthy, right? They don't have two of them healthy right now. And, you know, P. Ryan filled in this week, but it'd be real nice if they could get McKinnon back because he could be another, you know, another threat in the past. Well, they game. should have him back in the playoffs. I, I think they should have McKinnon back in the playoffs with CEH. I mean, he's been a nice little he was change just of pace. Sick, right? He was just sick. So he should be yeah. good to go, I would imagine, this weekend against the Chargers. Uh, and then, you know, I'm okay with the Pacheco. Clyde Edwards, Elaire combination, and I think I that too. Ceh has had some kind of resurgence over the last several weeks or so. Uh, I don't know what his long term future looks like in Kansas City, but not I well. Do, and I don't. He, he's I, I not he's nearly made as him, good as Pacheco. But I think he's, he's not made, nearly as good as. I Pacheco. think he's made himself attractive enough to be able to latch on potentially somewhere else oh, after this season, right? Like, because I mean, there were yeah. I, I had questions at the start of the year about. Is this guy like can't even find his way on an NFL roster? You know, after he's done in Kansas City, I think he's you know done enough to show that. Yeah, I think so. I mean, he's he's got a he's got a nice skill set. He's just not explosive at all. He but he but he has done a nice job filling it. And what he can do for the Chiefs, I think, is allow them to continue to do what they need to do. He can grind it out enough where they can you know just even if it's even if it's a three yard gain, which is like his you know his expertise. All, they they just have to have the run game free up the passing game. You know, you have to make defenses respect that run game to help those wide receivers. And I think they're doing that. And Clyde Edwards-Alaire can at least do that. And, and Isaiah Pacheco's a weapon, right? When he's out there, he's a weapon. He makes big plays. He made three or four of them in the game. Like, he's a different, 
a totally different animal when they have him out there. Put him on ice. Don't play him. You know, like let him just sit on ice. And and if you can get to the point where he can carry the ball 15 to 20 times closer to the 20, then I think the Chiefs are going to have a pretty good path. They just have to figure out, like, how do we not make any mistakes? And that's going to be difficult because the offensive line has struggled a little bit. And we've seen that disrupt a lot of things they're trying to do. And the receivers are very prone to making mistakes that can really cost them. So it's like everything we've known about Kansas City being ultra aggressive has to go away. Right? You got to put that away. You don't need to be aggressive on fourth down. You don't need you field position matters. Harrison Butker matters, right? Six of six. He's been incredible this year. I mean, if not for Aubrey in Dallas, Butker would be all anybody in the in the kicking world. I don't know how big that world is, but it would be all about Butker this year. So if you can just, like, play to your strengths, right? Play to your defense. Play to the fact. That's how, like, in a lot of years, that's how Baltimore's won games. Now, they've become more explosive offensively, but there are teams in this league that have won tons of games playing great defense, being really good in special teams, and having a disruptive pass rush. The Chiefs have all of those things. And then they still have Patrick Mahomes, right, and Kelsey. And so they also still, with all of that, have this, you want the ball in this guy's hands before anybody else. Like, they they really do have a path. Now, they have to execute it almost flawlessly because they can't make up for it if they make mistakes. But their best game is good enough to win a Super Bowl. They haven't had that a lot. I get that part of it, that that's asking a lot because we haven't seen that a lot. But I do think we are starting to see at least the formula, the game plan that could take them to that place. And they're not just being stubborn and trying to cram that square peg into a round hole anymore. I, and, and that has me a little more optimistic. And that was really important in the week leading up to this game. All of the reports about the Chiefs trying to simplify the playbook a little bit and the, you know all of this analysis – of receivers having issues and substitutions and getting on and off the field and figuring out the motion and where everybody was going and, you know, all of that, it almost seemed to me like they all had a little bit of brain fog. Like, hey, there's just so much going on in this offense and we're just, we don't know what we're doing. And that's kind of embarrassing when you're on the big stage. They tried to simplify things. I noticed that, that that first offensive drive that Kansas City had where it was sharp and it was effective and it wasn't complicated. It wasn't confusing. There weren't a lot of trick plays and misdirection and things like that. It was just a a simply put really effective offensive drive for Kansas city. They marched down the field. They got into the end zone. They scored a touchdown and I'm like, okay, well maybe things are starting to work a little bit more. They've simplified things down. They're keeping it simple. Things are working for them and they're utilizing their talent to the best ability that they can. Then you have the strip sack on Mahomes and then a short field for the Bengals and they score. Then they get up by 10. But then really they let the defense take over at that point. And it was Harrison Butker. It was getting in field position and kicking field goals. And then the defense was absolutely stifling after that point. You know, they got to Jake Browning a lot. The, you know, I think that I don't know if there is a better defensive coordinator in the NFL at dialing up blitzes at the right time than Steve Spagnola. He is a master at that. They were getting to Browning. Multiple times in the game, I thought Legereus Sneed did a phenomenal job on Jamar Chase. I think Chase finished with like four catches and 40 yards or something like that. It was a pretty quiet game for Jamar Chase for the most part. I thought they did a really great job. I mean, because keep in mind, after the Bengals went up 17-7, the Chiefs shut him out the rest of the way. 
and let let the the offense get into field position, kicking field goals with Butker and all of that, and that was the recipe for success for Kansas City. So you know, I she think scored that one touchdown. They, one. I, that, that's all they needed, they right? Six field goals. That's all they needed. But that works. Yeah, it worked. And Chase was hurt too, so that that was a factor in the game. That's why I don't want to over. So I don't want to get too excited because you know Chase was hurt. Higgins got hurt in the game. Like the Bengals. They they had a they had a, a deck stacked against them, but I yeah like I I agree you just have to you just have to take things back dial it back and be defensive in the way that you play the game and I do start to get the sense don't you that like they're embracing it a little bit not just the coaches I think the coaches are clearly embracing it I kind of think the players are embracing it a little bit too I I get the sense that they're on board with this and they can see that this is the path. And yes, drop passes are still just maddening and all of these things. Here's the other thing that we can discuss, and we'll ask Dan this. What do you do if you're Andy Reid now? Because you can play for the two seed here. Miami lost. No, you're locked Miami in. Has you're, to play. You're, you're only locked into the three seed. You can't go any higher than that. Why? If they have the same record with Miami, they have the head-to-head win. I'm pretty sure I read that they are locked into the three seed regardless of what happens. Oh, I, they're t- they're ten and six. We'll have to look that up. They're ten and six. Miami's eleven and five. If Miami loses and Kansas City wins, and Kansas City has the head-to-head win with the same record, I think they'd get the two seed. I'm maybe there's another tiebreaker. Sure they're locked in into the three. Okay, seed we'll we'll check on that because we'll that's why that. that's why there, there's this conversation about resting players because they're locked into the three seed regardless. Yeah, we'll check it. It's fine. Uh, there must be another tiebreaker in there. Um, so we'll, uh, we'll get to all of these things with Dan. I don't know what team you want to play the least in the AFC as you open up, whether it's Buffalo or Miami, uh, Cleveland. I don't want to play any of them. I mean, Miami of those three is probably who I would take preference with, with the injuries they're dealing with Jacksonville. Of course, you'd love to play Jacksonville. Uh, and then the seven seed. I mean, I don't, I don't know like who, if, if it's, Indianapolis, that's fine. But if it's Houston or Pittsburgh, like those teams are kind of dangerous too. They they say FC. There's not really a. You're gonna have to just like for the Chiefs. It's you just they they have to do their thing. They have to do their thing, and that thing can beat anybody. But if they if they wander from that too much, I think they're capable of beating anybody. I also think they're probably capable of losing to anybody, and that's going to make their postseason really really interesting I don't know what will happen but I know they've got a chance and at times this year I think maybe we thought they didn't so we'll come back uh when we come back let's talk about KU Wichita State because we'll get back to the Chiefs with Dan Israel at the top of the hour uh so we'll do that we're going to check on this seating thing make sure we get that right for you uh, and get you updated there I thought they could maybe they can't maybe there's another tiebreaker I'm missing out on Um, because that's just me looking at the standings. That's not reading anything. So we'll come back. We'll check on that. We'll get a little Shocker Jayhawk talk, and then we'll get to Dan Israel top of the next hour. It's Sports Daily on uh, Tuesday. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. 
Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. All right, welcome back, everybody. Okay, figured it out. Here's what I was overlooking. Chiefs are locked into the three because if Buffalo beats Miami, they'll jump Kansas City into that two for winning the division, and they've got the head-to-head win, of course, over Kansas City. So that's where that is. So Kansas City's the three. That's why we're having the debate about starting or not starting players. I would probably guess that Andy Reid will play his guys for just a little bit, sort of like a you know a, a preseason game. He typically is more aggressive than some coaches. I don't think he wants to sit his guys, but he's also really good after a bye week. So maybe, maybe he would sit them. And you know, he sat. That's you know, he sat uh, Alex Smith for Patrick Mahomes whenever that was Mahomes' real rookie year. So I, I suppose we could see him sit. I wouldn't look. I wouldn't play. I probably wouldn't play many of them. I, I don't know who I would play. I'd, I'd play the receivers. I'd play Marquez Valdez-Scantling and say, go catch the dang ball. <laughs> I would I would put him out there and say, uh, go target him 13 times yeah. and just keep peppering him with targets and let's see if we can't snap him out of it here. Yeah. That's what I would do. Let him be the only wide receiver out on the field. You know, yep. put, put him out yep. there, put a couple backup tight ends, You know, just call it good. Um, you know, I do think that they'll probably start the regular starters. That'd be my guess. Uh, Travis Kelsey, I think, is only 16 yards away from 1,000 receiving yards in the regular season, which would continue that streak on. So I wouldn't be surprised. I know he needs rest, but it wouldn't be surprising if they start him, try to get that 1,000-yard mark, and then sit him for the rest of the game. Um, so, that I mean, that wouldn't be shocking to me if that happened. Um, I don't know. I mean, I just I think that we know what Andy Reid's strategy typically is when it comes to resting players. You mentioned the, the Alex Smith situation. I bet we see them play for maybe a quarter, um, you know, and, and then kind of go from there. I, I can't imagine that by the time the game ends, we're going to see many starters in the game. Yeah, I, and I just don't know. And and honestly, I think at that point, you have to have conversations with your players. Like, it's not like they're dealing with a bunch of rookies. I think Andy Reid can have a, a genuine conversation and say, hey, uh, do you want to play? Like, do you think are you do, is this good for you to play? Like, we trust you. We do all these things. You can't because you can't ever like again. I say this all the time about the preseason. Like, 
it's trying to prevent injuries in the NFL is like a fool's errand. It's it's football. It's it's impossible to do. Guys get hurt all the time. All right, let's quickly, Tommy, talk about Shockers KU as they both finish up their regular seasons. Uh, K-State will do that. or Sorry, not regular seasons, but pre-conference, non-conference seasons. And we'll get uh, KU and Wichita State doing that later this week. K-State does that tonight, by the way. Game you'll hear right here on KFH. But the Shockers go into... Kansas City, I was concerned uh, about this game. I think stylistically it was a really bad matchup for Wichita State. Thought that all the way through, and it turned out to be that way. Um, you know, body language, I was at the game. Body language, or it, it was, they were fine. Like, I, I, didn't, I didn't get the impression they gave up or did anything like that. I think it's just a bad matchup. They're, they're similar in some senses in what they need to do. And, of course, KU's one of the most talented teams in the country. I think... They're just more talented, and they do some of the same things, and it began to just play itself out that way. I think you could tell the the talent gap. It doesn't mean that Wichita State is a a bad basketball team. I wouldn't be dis- no, no, no. I wouldn't be discouraged if I was a Shockers fan after that game. Oh, I mean, you know, just because you're you're playing one of the top teams in America, and just the the talent level of guys like Hunter Dickinson and Kevin McCuller and what they're able to do is just so much different than. You know, the, the guys that are on the court for Wichita State. So it was a bad matchup all the way together. You know, I, I do think that Wichita State hung around for a while. I mean, mid, midway through they the first half, they were in the game. Uh, and it was then more it just, to KU not doing what it needed to do, though. And, and really, I, I think the, the biggest concern for Wichita State is just the lack of shooting, right? And, and not being able to have shots That's drawn. why it was a bad matchup. If KU loses games this year, it's going to be because they play a really good shooting team that yep. shoots the ball well. That's what's going – KU's not going to lose games where teams are trying to create offense down low, which is what Wichita State needs to do to some degree, right? Like somebody's going to have to shoot to beat KU. That's why I didn't like Wichita State. That's what – I was with a group of Shocker and KU fans and everybody's – it's like I I don't – Wichita State doesn't shoot well, and I don't – the KU should be fine here because that – you know, KU's problem is they can't shoot well. KU does everything else really well, though. Like, that's what they do. And so when they came out early and were, were settling for, like, 14-foot jumpers and all this, I'm like, what are they doing? Like, they, their only priority in this game right now would be, if I'm Bill Self, and I think he agreed, and I think you began to see this, would be to get the Wichita State bigs into foul trouble. Like, get those two you know, tall towers off the floor and just work your way down. And they eventually got there, and it just... I, I, I'm with you. I wouldn't be discouraged either if I'm a Shockers fan. I think it is a nice thing to have happen right before you now go into the conference season because, you know, outside of FAU potentially, and I'm not even sure FAU is as talented as KU. They're, they may be as good, but they're not as talented. You're not going to see anything like that now the rest of the way. You know, now it's now it's more like, okay, can we go be the best of our tier? And eventually, I think the Shockers want to be in a different tier, but that's not the reality right now. And this, you know, this was be this will be a really nice test for them, I think, this year in this conference. And I think Paul Mills is a really talented head coach, and I bet he'll use that. I bet he'll say, "Guys, look, we lost by twenty points to KU. We're not going to play another team as talented as KU the rest of the way. FAU is a great team." But, but they're not even as talented as KU is. So you got that out of the way. You played them. Now let's go play, play you know teams in our own conference. We can compete with anybody in the American. Let's go and get it done as we get underway in conference play. 
They get the national window to open up the conference season. It's an 8 o'clock game, so it's a late tip because that'll be Thursday against North Texas. That one should be a lot of fun. Looking forward to that game. That's one of the teams I think they'll want to be competing with uh, in the, you know, maybe the three spot, if that's the goal now, is is like a best-case scenario in the conference. So that'll be a fun game. I'm excited to see it. That one is on Thursday. All right. Let's take a break. We'll come back. Dan Israel's going to jump in, the executive producer of the Chiefs Radio Network. We'll see what he thinks, if he has any insight on who's playing. We'll see what he thinks about our, you know, our theory that that is a path for the Chiefs to win playoff games. I think he'll agree, because we talked about it last week being what they need to do. It's exactly what they did. How sustainable is it? We'll talk to Dan right after this. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Oh, oh, oh. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. <laughs> 